You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. We've got updates on Michigan basketball, hockey, baseball, softball, and we discuss some of the key position battles on the football team. That and more on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. Okay, guys, good to be back with you here. Uh, Tuesday morning, April 19th, we got Aaron back, and we've got a lot to talk about, a lot of sports to cover. Um a lot of news. Some of the updates are just that there's not much of an update, but so be it. Uh, let's start with hockey, though. Uh, and, and Ryan, last time we talked, we mentioned that Mel Pearson's contract was set to expire. Uh, is it at the end of this month? Yes, April 30th. Uh, I guess what what's the latest as far as whether he will return as Michigan's head coach? Uh, the latest is, I mean, we still don't know much. I uh, reached out to him th- last week to see if he was willing to discuss uh, his contract status and, and did not get a response back. Um, so, yeah, at, at this point, there's, what, 11 days until it's set to expire. So we're still still investigating ourselves and trying to get some, the, the report into the investigation that's been going on since early this year. Uh, but at, at this point, from my gut feeling is that he will not be back. For, for next season as the head coach. Yeah, if we're reading the tea leaves here based on the way this is going and the fact that Ward Manuel wouldn't talk to you when you tried to talk to him in Boston about it, and it, it certainly seems like he's not returning. I mean, I think anyone anyone who's dealt with this situation before, an expiring contract like this for a coach, it's not ideal. I mean, we talked about this off air beforehand, but like typically for a head coach, you want at least what a year or two on your deal just for your recruiting purposes and just for stability from the program's perspective. And the fact that we've got what, 10 days left or whatever it is, how many days left in the month? I mean, it's not, it certainly doesn't yeah. seem like he's coming back. It's unprecedented for, for, to lead a team to a frozen four with one of the best teams ever 30 win season, which they hadn't done since 20, uh, 07, 08. Um, yeah, if, if there wasn't this investigation, you would think that, that they would, Michigan would do everything they can to, to resign him to an extension. And, and the fact that, that they haven't yet kind of speaks volumes. Um, so yeah, and, and they've already lost almost, uh, almost double digit players now to, to the NHL since the end of the year. Um, so a lot of, a lot of first round picks have moved on a lot of high draft picks have moved on and uh, several of their seniors have also signed pro deals. So it's going to be a much different looking team next year and, and could be a, a much different coaching staff as well. I was going to say, you know, if you start thinking about replacements, I mean, you wouldn't think it would come from someone on staff, given what's going on with the program and the investigation, you'd think it'd be a kind of situation where they clean house and bring in an outsider. Yes. 
Yeah, it's, I, it's it too tough to tell at this falls, point. I guess yeah. it, it, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are are people on staff right now that that yeah. would be good head coaches and good candidates. But again, it, 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 a lot depends on this investigation and what it uncovers. And we should know more here either later this week or early next week as far as the findings of the investigation. So again, it, it, if Michigan lets Mel Goer does not resign him, I mean, then that can kind of squash this this investigation and the findings might never come out too so that could be appealing for for michigan's sake too to to not resign them and, and not bring them back so that what whatever this investigation uncovers kind of doesn't get released so we'll, we'll see what happens there's a, a hockey coach in detroit whose job may be on the line here i'm just throwing it out there <laughs> as a potential replacement it probably wouldn't be a bad one that, I was at the Frozen Four. There was some discussion among reporters, like would Michigan and Michigan State both be going after Jeff Blashill if uh, if they both lose their coaches? And, and Michigan State has already fired theirs, and, and Michigan's might be the next to go. So, yeah, it, it could be it could be a fascinating offseason for for in state hockey programs. All right, we'll be all over it on mlive.com. Uh, on the men's basketball side, uh, there's there's no real uh, updates. No. Nobody is committed uh, as far as recruiting. No one has left or joined the program in any way since our last update. Uh, but we, you know, we do have a deadline coming up, April twenty fourth, which is Sunday. Um, you know, by midnight, uh, you have to submit your name to the NBA draft if you're an underclassman, if if you want to be involved in that. Um, and as far as we know, no one from Michigan has has done that yet. And you know, there are candidates, of course, Hunter Dickinson, Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate. Uh, and I, I've written about them and their kind of decisions that they're facing on MLive.com. Basically, you can get feedback as a player uh, from the NBA uh, undergraduate you know, advisory board uh, without officially declaring. You can just say, hey, I'd, I'd like I'd like feedback on you know, where I'll be picked and they can they can give you that that range. Yeah. You know, you're kind of viewed as a lottery pick or late first round or early second round or you know, late second round undrafted, whatever it is. Uh, now, if you want more feedback on, all right, you know, we think you need to work on, you know, your outside shot or your ball screen defense or whatever it may be, then you have to actually declare and, and to get that more detailed feedback. And if you want to hopefully, you know, get to the pre-draft combine in Chicago, uh, you know, in May, then that's, you have to go that route. So there's still little harm in declaring, but if you know you're coming back, there's no real reason to do it. Uh, and you know, obviously if you know you're going, you, you just do it. So it's, it, you know, all these guys are in interesting positions because none of them seem, you know, from who I've guys I've talked to scouts and people in the league, they don't believe uh, that any of them are, are, are locks to be first round picks. Um, and none of them might even be locks to be second round picks at this point. Um, you know, Caleb Houston, uh, you know, maybe. Uh, and, and, and Musa Diabate is kind of a guy that's, that's all over the board, depending on who you talk to. So and then Dickinson is might might not really ever be you know, a solid NBA guy, uh, you know, given some of his limitations defensively, but, um, you know, you, you just don't know it only, as I always say, it only takes one team to like you to get picked. So, uh, those are the decisions that they'll face. And then, you know, the dominoes will start to fall from there from Michigan's roster. How much do you think NLI might potentially weigh in their, in their decisions? Because obviously that's a, it's a kind of a, a game changer now for college players to while weighing their options to, to go pro or not. 
Yeah. NIL. Come on, let's get that. Oh, exactly. You know, it's, it's tough. It's tricky. <laughs> it's, SLI is a thing, too. I know, you know, I know. National letter of intent. It's, I mean, what's the difference? People know what's going on, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it's a, it's a factor. You know, if, if it was going to be a factor for you, the, the money side of it, you know, it, it is for most people. Um, but, you know, you don't know exactly the position any of these, these players are in, you know, financially. But, uh, yeah, if, if it was going to be a, a factor for you to, to leave, potentially it can be a factor to stay um, because, you know, we don't know, you know, we haven't gotten exact figures on what some of these guys are making, but, um, you know, we know it can be significant or, or at least not insignificant and can, you know, be a, can it, can it sway you one way or the other? If you're going to be, you know, you feel you're going to be drafted, maybe not, but, you know, as far as going overseas or going to the G league for a year. Um, yeah. I think, it, I think it can, uh, you know, affect, affect the decision one way or the other, for sure. So that's where, you know, that's where things stand with those guys. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll know soon enough, this deadline will, will come and go and we'll, we'll have an answer on, on at least the initial decision. It does not mean, you know, if they, if they dec- all declare or any of them declare, it doesn't mean they're gone because, you know, you can, uh, you know, retain your eligibility if you go about it in a certain way. Um, you know, not hiring an agent that's, that's not on the list or whatever you, as, as long as you do that, you're, you, you know, you're okay to maintain your eligibility and then you have until June 1st to, to come back. So, uh, you know, we, we're, we're, we're still maybe weeks and weeks away from getting definitive answers on what the roster will look like for next season. We've got spring sports are, you know, well underway now, but starting to, you know, maybe as the weather starts to turn, we had a, basically a blizzard here in Ann Arbor on, on Monday, but, uh, you know, starting to get into, you know, the meat of, of conference play for, you know, the baseball and the softball team, for example, softball team is 26 and 13 overall, six and six in the big 10 baseball team, 20 and 15, six and three in the big 10. So neither off to great starts. They don't look right now, like, you know, national contenders, but it is still early enough for that to change. Uh, the softball team plays at Michigan State tonight, um, but then both teams have uh, three-game series this weekend with Ohio State. So both will be home uh, against the Buckeyes this weekend. You know, the, the two stadiums are, are right next to each other. Um, you know, some of the games, there's, there's a gap on Friday. I think Friday, you know, baseball's at four and softball's at six, uh, but Saturday and Sunday, they're either at the same time or within an hour of each other. But, you know, head over and uh, the Will Pond complex and kind of go back and forth, uh, you know, between the two, the two games, I guess, if you want. The weather is supposed to be great Saturday and Sunday, at least. I think we're looking at seventies and sunny, so can't beat that. There you go. Much improved from what we've seen so far. Much. I, I will, I will say the most surprising thing out, out of the baseball and softball team this year is, I mean, as we all know, Michigan has dominated the big 10 for, for years under Carol Hutchins and, and to see them at, at six and six in conference play is, is pretty astonishing. And then you have teams at the top, like Nebraska, that is 13 and 0 in conference play and Northwestern. That is 11 and one. That's they, they got an uphill battle to, uh, to climb here up, up uh, for the second half of the year. So I, I expect them to, to turn things on here. They already did play Nebraska and Northwestern, two of the toughest teams in the conference. They took two out of three against Maryland last weekend, which is ahead of them in the standing. So that, that kind of maybe will to get them going here in the second half. But yeah, for, for that team to be six and six in big time play is, is quite, quite shocking given just their, the history of, of the program under Hutchins. Absolutely. The count hutch out now would be silly, but yeah, kind of uh, yeah, unusual to, to see them there. All right. We said we would talk, uh, talk some football as well. 
yeah, I guess where, where do things stand with the, the program right now, as far as, you know, the spring game is in, is in the rear view, you know, what practice looks like, um, yeah, over these next, I guess, few weeks. Yeah. So they're, they're done. They wrapped up last Monday was their final practice. They had one more after the spring game scheduled. Uh, so they're, they're done. Uh, which they're is, done and they have 50 guys capable of starting according to coaches. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> As, every year, right? like every single, every single year. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're done a little bit early. Uh, it's kind of, they're on a very similar schedule from last year. When remember when Jim Harbaugh overhauled his coaching staff, they got, going really early last year, I think, to get the scheme in, installed and just kind of get a, a sense of the personnel that they had. Um, but they followed a very similar schedule this year. They got going early. As, as we saw, the spring game was the first week in April, and you're still seeing other schools, you know, stage their spring game. Some had them over the weekend. Some had them scheduled for this weekend. So Michigan was ahead of the game in that regard. They're all wrapped up there. Um, the players are now entering the well, obviously they're doing, you know, finishing, you know, class and, and exams are coming up and finals week is ahead. So they're going to enter the summer cycle, which is pretty much a lot of off the field stuff, workouts, uh, coaches technically aren't allowed to really direct much. So it's going to be a lot of, you know, in the NFL, I guess, jargon, organized team activities where guys are going to get together on their own and kind of, you know, practice or scrimmage and do, do whatever they want, whenever they want. You know, guys are, some will go home, some will stay in Ann Arbor and continue to practice. Um, and they'll go from there, you know, leading up to fall camp. But I think the big thing looking at this team is they've got a few position battles. You know, I put out a post spring depth chart a few weeks ago after the spring game, I think it was last week. Um, and I, I made sure to differentiate this being a post spring depth chart compared to what I think the depth chart is going to be this fall, because keep in mind, there were several key guys injured, you know, in the in, in spring. They did not participate. So it impacted some of the positions. You know, for example, quarterback. Everyone wants to look at that. And coming out of that, you know, I, I had Davis Warren at number two. Obviously, it's a little bit different from what we'll probably see in the fall because we got word from Jim Harbaugh last week that JJ McCarthy is set. In fact, he was set to throw again uh, yesterday, Monday. So he is sounds like he is gonna get back in in the groove there, get back in routine. You know, JJ was um, active in practice in the spring, but he didn't throw, or he at least was limited. Uh, so it sounds like he's going to kind of gear up here, assuming there are no more you know issues with the the shoulder. Uh, he's going to be uh, ready to go for fall camp, and that obviously changes things from a position standpoint. Cade is probably the front runner because of the spring and the season he put together last year, but you don't want to rule out JJ because obviously the talent, the arm, and, and the athletic ability. So you know things are a little different now. You got position battles across the board uh and a lot to a lot to look at here yeah where where are some of these uh battles that you you, you see that should be i guess watched or anticipated when we kind of do re- return to action certainly seems like there'll probably be a couple across uh, at the offensive line yeah exactly running back is settled tight ends relatively settled i think you're gonna see a lot of guys involved they're just kind of just like you saw last year uh receiver you got a lot of guys kind of waiting to break out Keep in mind they get Ronnie Belt back. And that's again another key factor there. Offensive line is interesting because you got a lot, you got several returners, several starters who started quite a bit last year. Um, right tackle was a position we were watching coming into spring. It sounds like Trente Jones just separated himself there. He's probably going to be the starter. Obviously, assuming there isn't some late rush or there's an injury or whatever the case may be. Um, so it sounds like Carson Barnhart's going to kind of hang out at the number two spot at right guard, right tackle. You know, a center is a fascinating position because 
I think all of us assumed Olu Oluwatimi. He's the grad transfer from Virginia, Remington Trophy finalist. He's the starter, dude. Right. Don't, I don't even want to hear it. It's, he is the starter. He's a Remington Trophy finalist. Agreed. He's there to be the starter. Agreed. And I, that was my assumption coming in, you know, and, and you know, it was weird because the coaches, when we talked to them, they would, they said, you know, Trent a. Jones is a front runner at tackle, right? Tackle. He was probably going to get the job, but they wouldn't differentiate at center. I, I think that's probably a way to kind of keep Greg Crippen in the conversation. He's a young guy. They like him a lot, but you've got this older veteran guy coming in. Olu got most of the snaps at center. So he's probably going to be the, the guy there as well. Um, the defense, I think, is more interesting. As, as we've kind of hit on a lot, you got a lot on the defensive line, guys who, you know, we, we think are going to start. It sounds like it's settled, at least the starters, but you got a lot of guys backing up and a lot of guys that we, we don't know what they have. I mean, you got Mike Morris. We, we I think we assume, correct me if I'm wrong, if you disagree here, and I think Mike Morris and Taylor Upshaw are probably going to start at the ends. Mozzie Smith and Jenkins are, are sure, certainly uh, surefire starters at tackle. But you got a lot of guys there. You got Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, you know, uh, George Rooks' name has come up quite a bit. A lot of guys are in the too deep where guys that haven't played a ton, guys that we're uncertain about, guys we don't really know what we they have. And I think that's Michigan. I think Michigan's the determination of whether this Michigan team can run the table and replicate what they did last year is probably going to be decided up front, at least in my opinion. The, the, the end spots are going to be fascinating because, I mean, I don't know how much better – I, I think Mike Morris is going to get a lot of run there, but like for that number two end spot, like, I mean, is, at this point, you would think that Jalen Harrell would have a higher ceiling than Taylor Upshaw. I mean, Taylor Upshaw has been around for, for how many years now? And I, I get that some guys can be late bloomers, but at, at some point you got to go with maybe the guy that has a, a higher potential and, and Harrell played a decent amount last year too. So uh, I, I know a lot of people are are kind of anointing Taylor Upshaw as this guy that's going to play a ton this year, but about, in my opinion, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Harrell out there for, for a decent amount too. I mean, if you go back to last year, they both played in 12 games, but Harrell actually played more snaps than Upshaw last year and is obviously the younger player. So We'll, we'll see what happens, but I don't think it's – I think Mike Morris for sure is going to be the guy, the number one guy, but then at the opposite end, I, I could definitely see Harrell getting a, a good run there over over Upshaw for – I mean, they're both going to play, but I won't be surprised if Harrell gains an upper hand by fall time. Yeah, it's certainly possible, and I think you're going to see a rotation there. I mean, they don't have that – cemented dominant guy that can lean on like an Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, I'm not going to say David Ajabo because he was surprised. He came on last year. I think there were a few of us that saw that coming. Uh, and, and Michigan's going to have to, I think, lean on three. And I've written this in the last couple of weeks ad nauseum. It feels like they're going to have to lean on three or four guys. It's not going to be the same guy every snap. It's not going to be the same guy potentially starting every game because I think it's going to be very much dictated on the opposing offense and, and how those guys are playing. So Michigan's front is going to look very different than it did last year. Maybe not schematically, but I think personnel-wise, you're just going to see a lot different because I think they're still trying to figure out what they have. I don't think they necessarily know what they have, and it's going to kind of be trial by error, especially early in, early in the season with those non-conference games, and I, I think we're going to learn a lot about that defense. Um, the back end, I, I think, is a little bit more solidified. Look, you know, When I was putting together the depth chart and kind of looking at the two deep, I'm really bullish on this linebacker group. Now, it's not potentially really deep, but you've got a lot of guys there that can play and, and play well. I mean, Junior Colson and Nikai Hill Green are probably the, the pencil in the start at this point, but the backups, Michael Barrett, another guy who's been around the program a long time, Khalil Mullings, a guy who's, again, been in the program several years now. So I, I think they're set at linebacker. 
there really isn't much discussion there from a from just from a competition standpoint. But the, the backfield, you, you, I think they're gonna you're gonna see a lot of five five man uh, you know sets there. Uh, corners, I think, are pretty much set, but the, the safeties are the fascinating story. I think here you've got three guys, uh, well, two R.J. Moten and Rod Moore, who played and started quite a bit last year. Rod was was or he was sidelined this spring because of injury, so it's kind of opened the door for Macari Page. And if you listen to what Jim Harbaugh said last week on on the, in the Trenches podcast, I know about today at MLive.com, but he's really bullish on Macari. He's been bullish on him since he got to Ann Arbor a couple of years ago. He thinks he could have been a starter as a true freshman. Didn't win the job. Now he says it's his time. So I think Michigan feels like they have three starters there at safety. And that's not including Mike Sanders still, who we think is going to start at nickel. So they, they're really, I think, backloaded there. They got a lot of guys, a lot of guys, again, situations, guys who have been in the program a long time, Quentin Johnson, Jalen Perry. I'm looking at my depth chart. I posted Jordan Morantz on there. He has since decided to hit another <laughs> transfer portal. But even you got Will Johnson, you know, the true freshman from Gross Point, who everyone's been talking up. They think he can play right away. I think there was the starter word was thrown out there. We'll see about that. Um, but he's certainly going to get some playing time. So that, the defensive backfield is another, I think, area where you got a lot of guys um, that you think you know what you got, and they got they got to kind of figure out the puzzle pieces. Yeah, pro- projecting the true freshman to start in, in spring is always difficult to do, no matter how talented they are, unless there's there's no one left from the previous year that they're kind of really forced into a starting role because of need. But again, at this point, Jamon Green and DJ Turner, I, I know Green kind of tailed off a little bit at the end of last year and, and kind of fell out of favor and uh, with, with DJ Turner emerging. But I, I think Jamon Green, especially in 2020, he was their best cornerback. So I, I definitely think that those two guys probably have the upper hand and yeah, I mean, Makari Page is fascinating because, yeah, if you remember, he was a, a four-star recruit out of West Bloomfield High, got a decent run as a true freshman, probably because they, they didn't really have many healthy bodies that year. Uh, but he, he, I was expecting him to take a little bit of a jump last year, and you just didn't really see it. I mean, when he was on the field in, in, a, in a backup role, uh, struggled a little bit just like he did as a freshman. But, yeah, you would think with, with his frame, uh, and his ability, he he still has a pretty high ceiling, but this 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 junior year or his third year here will be uh, an important season for him. But yeah, if if you if you told me if you had to tell or ask me who the starters were here heading into fall, I would have to give the edge to to Moore and and RJ Moten, and obviously Moore coming or coming back from a serious injury. But uh, he impressed me last year as a true freshman. It's a guy that's not very big, but I was impressed when when he kind of took over that that starting role late in the year. Yeah, and he impressed the coaching staff too. I think he started six games. They they really liked what they saw there. He was a scrappy guy, like you said, wasn't the fastest guy, isn't the biggest guy in the world, but he he does the job. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what the coaching staff wants. So I think they've got a really good situation there in the backfield. They got a lot of guys they like. Uh, Michigan, don't be surprised if you see a lot of you know four two five again this year. A lot of five man backfields because I think the strength of this defense very much is going to be the linebackers and the defensive backs. Now, I know you you put this depth chart out, Aaron, while I was in Boston for the Frozen Four, so I didn't get to critique it at all while, while after you posted it, but I was looking at it this morning, and I noticed that you had A.J. Henning as a starting ride receiver, and the backups is Andrew Anthony, Roman Wilson, and Christian Dixon. Now, I want to ask you, do you think Henning will have more offensive snaps than, than Andrew Anthony and Roman Wilson this, this upcoming year? I don't know. And it's funny when you mentioned that because when I was putting that group together, I was, it's like, to me, it's like, it's Cornelius Johnson and obviously Ronnie Bell. But again, this, as I preface this, this is the post spring and not what I project for the fall necessarily. 
But yeah, you've got Cornelius Johnson, you've got everyone else, it seems like. And you've got, you've got these A.J. Henning and Mike Sam are still guys who've been in the program several years now, guys you're like waiting on to do something and have a big year. And and they both had their moments and everything else, but like they're, they haven't put anything together consistently. And, and I think the way they want to use A.J. Henning, and, and Jim Harbaugh hit on this last week on the podcast, is that it sounds like they're going to use him more in the running game. So I, I don't know. I certainly think Andrew Anthony's going to get more of an opportunity. Um, Roman Wilson as well. But you you start to wonder how much they fit the offense they're trying to run. And remember, these were the guys that very much are recruited under Josh Gaddis. You know, the, the, the smaller, speedier guys, more like slot receivers. So it, we'll, we'll see where they fit. I, I would not be surprised if some of those freshmen we keep hearing about, Marion Walker, uh, you know, they step in and fill a role here too. But at the end of the day, I didn't know what to do with the receivers. Uh, you've got Cornelius Johnson, Ronnie Bell, assuming he's healthy and is going to be able to go, he'll be there. And then who else? I don't know. So it's like a crapshoot, really. To me, I, I know I you might might disagree here, but I have a feeling that Mike Sanders still is not going to play much on offense this year. If he is playing as well as everyone has said on defense this spring, and with the other guys they have, I mean, Sam still only had 22 catches last year. It's not like he was when he was just playing offense. It's not like he was one of their top options as a receiver last year. And when these younger guys are coming along, like you would hope, I think they're going to kind of t- take the reins here and, and and pick up some of those snaps that that Sam still got last year. I mean, obviously he's he's a solid blocker on offense, but again, with with the playmakers that they they have now. At the receiver position, I just have a feeling that that some of these other guys are going to get more of a run here in 2022. Yeah, it would not surprise me one bit because, I mean, it's tough to play both sides of the ball. I, I don't see it him being able to do it effectively in both sides. And if he's better defensively, then they're going to run with it. And I, I think they want him on the defensive side of the ball. It's, I think, part of the reason why they've kind of initiated this move, Jim Harbaugh initiated this move, because I think they need the help. And I think they realize that... Sammer still can make an impact on defense. And you got to remember the transfer, this is where the transfer portal comes into play. I, I think Jim is very hesitant about losing some of these guys, you know, guys that maybe aren't the best players or the biggest stars, but they're good team guys, they're good leaders, they're good guys in the locker room. And that's where I think Sandra still falls into place. And we've heard him, you know, praised several times now by the coaching staff for his leadership and just his, 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 his mouth in the locker room. They, they, I think Jim wants him on the team. They want him in the program. And that's certainly one of the reasons why, you know, they, they tra- made, started this transition to the defense. And from what we saw in the spring game, and I don't know how much you want to read into that, but Sam still looked very good as a, as a slot back. So we'll, we'll see uh, where he fits in. Um, you know, but again, if, if they can't get much production on anyone else from the receivers, they're certainly going to have to lean on Sam still because he's shown that he certainly he can get the job done and, and make some catches. Guys, you need to pace yourselves. I mean, there's a lot to sort out here, but a lot of time to do it. All right. A lot uh, of time. A lot of time, stuff. yes. Uh, all right. So, yeah, that, that kind of brings you up to speed on, on that and some of, some of the other sports we discussed earlier. And stay tuned for continued coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening. <laughs>